Spine, how books are put together. I'm your host, Holly Dunn, and in today's episode, the final episode of season two, I am speaking with Isabel Abina-Pena, who is not only a book cover designer, but also a lettering artist, typographer, and zine publisher, among many other things, and we talk about those things in this episode. In 2015, she was listed as one of Print Magazine's 15 artists under 30, and her covers have been celebrated by the New York Times, Design Observer, The Casual Optimist, and BuzzFeed. So without further ado, here's Isabel Urbina-Pena. What really drew me to your work to begin with is the incredible way that you photograph the books once they're finished and and the art direction that goes with that. Where did that kind of come from and, and when did you start doing that for your portfolio? Uh, thanks so much for having me, first of all. <laughs> um, yeah, that basically I started, I worked at Random House a while ago and at first, it was my first job in publishing, uh, so just going into that uh, created a lot of kind of anxiety on my end that I wanted to, you know, prove myself that I could do this and be a cover designer, especially because I felt like a lot of eyes were looking at my work and what I was producing, not in a bad way or anything, but just like everyone wanted to see what I would come up with because I my background was a little different. And from there, I was thinking like, what's the best way of showing my portfolio? And at the time, everyone was kind of doing uh, flat JPEGs uh, with, you know, like a couple, some people had like a little drop shadow and things like that. But at the moment, it was pretty much just the art of the book. And for me, like, uh, I come from a very traditional, like graphic design school in Venezuela, and they were really focused on concept and like ideation and everything was like an opportunity for design. And thinking a little bit about that, I was like, how can I present my portfolio that is a cool way and different and just, I really wanted to, you know, because I was coming new to the industry, I wanted to make kind of an impact. Um, so I started thinking about it and I don't know, I always love reading and just the relationship with the book as an object. So for me, the fact that people show the, the books flat, I needed something more <laughs> to connect with it. So I kind of wanted to have an excuse to do something fun. And I just decided this could be a way to expand the universe in which that cover lived so I also took it as a as a project of like learning about photography and styling and lighting and art direction uh, at first I worked with a friend who was helping me photograph the books and then I started doing it myself and eventually my husband helped me out too so it was like a way to collaborate with people and also create something new, uh, more work, and give myself an excuse to do something different. Uh, and I, I mean, I didn't really expect to have such impact, to be honest. Uh, it was more of a way for me to present my work and give it importance and just, as I was saying, like, find that space for telling the story. Um, that you know in the cover is only one one moment that you get and the author gets a bunch of pages so it felt kind of like I wanted to say a little more about the book that really captured me uh, so this was like a good way of doing that but yeah it's been really fun because a lot of people that I've met in the industry like remember that you know they're very like oh you do your your book photography I love it so it's been really great and that's why I continue doing it Mm, yeah, and you don't really see that many people. Now. Yeah, that's true. They're just, they're so creative as well. And sometimes it's just the, the simplest idea, um, like the, is it Sophocles covers? Oh, thank you. <laughs> and then you've, you've got the just little shards of pottery, which I thought was so clever, yeah. just so simple. <laughs> that has been really fun too. Like what could work for this? And like, what are the objects that, you know, because I don't want it to take too much importance from the cover, uh, because obviously that's the main thing. But at the same time, it's it's a challenge to find like what little prop could work for this and like make it even more interesting. 
So it's been it's been really fun. I I should update my website and make some more because <laughs> I really do enjoy it. Start while you were at Random House, or was it before that? Yeah, it started while I was there. Uh, maybe I don't know a year after I started. So I had finally started receiving my my books, and it came the time where I wanted to show all the work I was doing there, and I was like, I'm gonna do this. We'll see how how I'm gonna keep up with it, but I'm just gonna go for it. And yeah, it's been really amazing how much impact it has had um, inside the publishing industry and also outside. Um, like even I don't know, a lot of blogs have featured it and like a lot of attention on it, which has been really really great for me. And um, just as a learning opportunity, it has been very fun publishers have they picked up on that and asked to use any of your photography in the promotion of your of those books uh I did get not specifically that but once I got asked to create a book cover that had that style so they wanted kind of like a style shoot vibe inside the cover it didn't end up working out but I've also gotten some companies ask me to common style for them so it's been fun because it's kind of expanded me in other directions as well. So you mentioned just before that you came from a different background and you kind of felt like you wanted to prove yourself. So maybe we could take a step back. Tell us a little bit about how you got into book design as a career and and how you felt different. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so it's been, it's interesting because it was always sort of in the back of my head as I said I love reading always loved reading so it was even through design school typography was like my favorite subject and I would do you know tons of uh, classes that were related to experimental typography and like book design uh, the thing there is that it was thought and a lot of uh, big designers in Venezuela are uh, book designers, actually. So it was a lot of super influential to me. I've, when I first moved to New York, I moved in 2008. I was like, I really want to work in print. So I was always trying to go there. But what I didn't realize is that book cover design, it's its, its own thing here in, in the USA and as far as the publishers with in other places that I've worked with is separate than the interior designers, at least for paperbacks and hardcovers. Uh, like, basically, you know, uh, not an artist book, um, which was a big surprise to me. And I, I started leaning towards working on the typographic and lettering world when I went to Cooper Type in the Cooper Union here. And... I think then I was still trying to work in print, but it was like not really easy. So I stepped back a little bit and was interested in type design and just like, what could I do in that world? I feel like my interest in type design, lettering, calligraphy started to develop my portfolio in a way that was particular. And I, the way I found the job at Random House was so random. Um, this guy from my IT aid in Cooper after I finished the program. And this guy was uh, a student there and he worked at Random House and he was leaving. <laughs> and he posted on Twitter that they were looking for people and posted the email of the art director. And I just emailed, like basically cold emailed the art director without even mentioning his name or anything. And they called me in for an interview. And when they saw my portfolio and saw like all the type lettering and calligraphy work that I was doing, they were like, whoa, we think you'd be perfect for this. So it was kind of a random chance that happened. But I wanted, wanted it to happen, if that makes sense. Uh, <laughs> That's amazing. That's yeah, so I know. cool. It's so, yeah, it's so weird. And I, I feel like most of my really significant jobs have been like Twitter found or something. Which <laughs> like, I can't even believe that, you know. It, it's a magical place. Yeah, totally. Wow. Um, so 
differ in in Venezuela from in the U.S. I feel like the 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 focus is very much like artist books there. Um, there is there is editorial and like book cover design, but not as much as here. You know, like if you design a book, it's gonna be like the full book. And one of the biggest designers there, uh, his name is Alvaro Sotillo. He's like he's won a ton of awards for like the most beautiful book in the world, and and like a bunch of various uh, international awards so in my school it was like a really small kind of scene and you know you see all those pieces and it's like really interesting because it's very much it's super minimal everything is very influenced by the Bauhaus and like European design mm. yeah so like I came to New York with a very like minimal vision and then I don't know, found things like Milton Glaser and like Pushpin Graphics and it was like total collision of two worlds and it was really interesting to see how like the influences here changed how I worked. But yeah. Wow. It's very different. <laughs> yeah. And very different from cover design because for me it was always about when I was starting at least it was I was really focused on like the invisible designer so like the interior designer who you don't know that is there and you read so pleasant because you know it's so pleasant to read because they've done their their job so amazingly that you don't even think there was a design behind them you know (laughs) yeah totally yeah and and these days I'm trying to do a little of both so I I worked at Random House for three years almost three years and then I've been freelancing for almost that time as well and I'm trying to incorporate you know more of I still do cover design but I'm also doing more books and typesetting and just that that infatuation for type design and and type typography I feel like I'm trying to merge it all the time with everything I do. Mm. A little bit about type and and lettering but where do you think that interest came from to begin with? Was that to do with your your studies or was it before that? Yeah, I think that and also like I had when I was a child, I, I read a lot. My dad, he was like, no, no Nintendos for you. So I, I used a lot like I used to read a lot uh, and that just kind of carried through and also, when I was a teenager, I did some graffiti, and that was also, like, fun and, like, a way of expression for me, and I think that's where I like to experiment so much with type and calligraphy and lettering, um, and just see how far you can push that. Uh, but, yeah, in school, also, one of, like, my favorite teachers were typography, so it was just, like, something that I really enjoyed there's so much you can do with it and create so many different characters yeah totally no pun intended but but um (laughs) character within the characters yeah definitely and that's something that I also have been discovering with with creating lettering and like calligraphy and all that like each each piece that I create can be super different than the other so that's for me it's the challenge it's like how can I make this as different as possible? And you know, there's always moments in which your client's going to be like, oh, we love what you did here. Could you do something similar? And I respect that, but I also try to push it if I can. So it's like challenging for me as well. And I'm not repeating myself over and over. That's what makes publishing and, and design and publishing interesting is, is where yeah. you push that idea even further. Exactly. So another thing that I see from your website you're very interested in is scenes and um, you've got quite a few on there that you've done in the past. Yes. Where where did that interest come from? Um, that started when I was in, in Cooper Type actually because I felt like I wanted to, actually it was a little before that but it, it collided with that. I wanted to practice more, more lettering. Um, so I started 
I created a, my first little scene was a scene uh, called Runs from a Stranger. And the idea is that it's all hand lettered uh, and there are no illustrations, just lettering. Uh, so the, the, basically the, the lettering has personality and it's sort of a conversation between two characters. And it was mainly a, a way to experiment. Uh, and practice so I gave myself like a super short deadline and I was like let's see what happens and then I've looked at other scenes and and you know indie publications and I was like this is something that I can do anyone can do it it, it just felt really easy you know approachable so I started from there and now I become more and more involved. I got, recently I got a, a risograph printer with some of my studio mates, which has been awesome because it's just another way of printing. And at the same time that you're learning how to print, you're also experimenting and discovering things that you can sort of push uh, with the method that you're printing. So that has been really fun. Yeah. It's just a way to get your work out there and for me it's just practice creating content like I'm I'm really interested in that so it's been an outlet for that that stuff you've got a, a risograph um is yeah. that the correct term risograph yeah, machine? Yeah. yeah yeah um quite fascinated with different ways of, of printing as well um could you tell us a bit about the risography process and, and how it differs from other printing processes yeah totally so I find it really fascinating I I discovered I don't know maybe like six or seven years ago through a friend who had one and he explained it to me and showed me the the results basically I had never seen one and since then I've been like trying to get my hands on one but it's quite a large machine similar to a Xerox printer a photocopier it looks like one but the difference is that um it works like a uh, silk screen so it in in the case of my machine it holds two drums and the drums have basically it's like a cylinder that around it it wraps a, a, a sort of a mesh but it's really a master so you you basically burn a screen for each color but the process is automated, like in a Xerox. So once you burn the two within the machine, you can do like 500 prints in like 10 minutes, basically. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy because it's also, um, I feel like it's a baby between a Xerox machine <laughs> and silkscreen because it's um, the ink, it's soy ink, and the the quality of it is opaque so it, it feels really like a silkscreen print but actually it's opaque but at the same time you can mix, mix colors which is cool you do the mixing by hand then no it's just like cmyk basically like you would lay on top of each other right uh, so the way you prepare the art you will get like a two color job or a four color job or amazing it's really fun and you should totally try it it's very satisfying I've, I've seen pop popularity recently I think there are a few books out about it yeah it's so interesting because it's, it's such a big machine um I always wanted it and I was like I didn't even realize how much space it takes but each color requires a drum basically so if you want to have you know four colors you need four drums if you want to have six colors you need six drums and so forth so on so forth and they're quite big they're like maybe I don't know 30 centimeters in diameter so it's kind of crazy <laughs> yeah oh wow but it's it's really great you go into quite a lot of detail on your website about the different papers and printing processes that you use for each of the different zines. Could you tell us a bit about how the paper changes the, the outcome? Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's more about the experience of, you know, the reader, let's say. So I feel like there's quite a big following of zines and, and printed ephemera out there. So 
people want to know like what what they're gonna get kind of thing so for me it's important to explain oh this is a thin paper you know it's something that actually has more tooth to it or even if the quality doesn't change radically um but it is like kind of interesting to to test all these things for example with I, I did like a mini zine called protest with a with a friend of mine who lives in Venezuela and he's been he was documenting like all the protests that were going on there last year and to print it it was super interesting because it was full color fo photography so I wanted to try and replicate whatever he got as nicely as possible but you can't really do a four color job as a CMYK because there are not really equivalents in the Riso. Uh, there are similar colors, but our Riso, we don't have those colors. So I had to like test a lot of things and like tweak a lot of the channels and like how each color uh, rendered everything. So it was quite a fun experiment because just like figuring out how uh, all the photographs in the zine could look the best with two colors and actually looks like much richer it, it was super interesting um but yeah I'm getting super nerdy yeah. <laughs> but it must be nice to have that extra level of control over what you're doing which you don't have if you're working as a designer for somebody else's book often those decisions are out of your hands and you could say oh I think this would look really good with the foil but it might not necessarily happen yeah exactly most of the time you know you can suggest but at least uh, when I was working full time in vintage, it was sometimes we could only do one or two effects. So, you know, you did get like to pick uh, what type of paper maybe and one effect or, you know, if it was a big book, a couple of things. But this is cool because you can get to pick, you know, what type of binding you're going to do, what type of paper, what type of colors you want to use, how you want to mix things, what is the best way of producing this uh, so it's super fun for a person who you know is interested in print to do their own uh, and I've also tried like letterpress and silkscreen less of large quantities and more for smaller things but it has also been like a really great experience and just super different to compare all of the all of the different print methods so exciting just I think because designers we end up doing a lot of stuff digitally and to, to be able to do some things and get your hands dirty is yes. really exciting totally exactly <laughs> and, and sometimes I I feel as though you know I design for print but in some ways a lot of it most of it's digital so it doesn't really feel like designing for print in the same way as, as actually right. <laughs> yeah, getting to feel the paper and and see what different inks look like, all of that. Yeah, and I think that's kind of what also attracted me of uh, hand lettering at, at first was like that capacity of like getting off the computer and actually doing something by hand and, you know, starting on paper. It was super fun. And it's also like a great asset, I feel like, because, you know, I can like sketch really quickly now because I practice so much I can do you know I can think of an idea and actually do it by hand without going to the computer um, which sometimes I feel like it's way faster. Back to this in a bit because I do want to ask you more about your, your process and sort of using digital tools and all of that but I did want to ask um, while we're on the subject of zines mm -hmm. your a lot of your zines are to do with politics and protest and uh, I was interested in the relationship between those because zines have a, a, a very politically charged um, go alongside politics. Yeah, definitely. Interested in, in your relationship between the two and feel less helpless in, in, the, in the face of political change that you don't necessarily have much say in. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's something that it has impacted everything I do. And it's the same thing. Like when I started doing graffiti, it was, you know, that, that same thing. Like 
even if not directly with politics is like that rebellious feel and like with the zines it was always like oh I have these thoughts and ideas that I not maybe not necessarily want to put in you know my bio or whatever but I want people to know that I have a stand towards this um and you know I try to incorporate that into my work whenever possible like if I can work with you know people who are doing like work for a good cause like or I can collaborate with someone because I know that will help I do that but the zines is a way of like having you know free speech and actually finding an audience which is not usually the case in you know a career you have to do what the client wants and like I might not have as much freedom sometimes as a designer in terms of expressing my point of view so that's what I feel like zines actually help you with that and in a way like a lot of the things I do is because I think there's a point of view on these issues like one one that I did is like about catcalling and against that and like another one the protest one that I was mentioning was to raise actually awareness to what was happening in Venezuela and like also try to get funds for that and send it because you know, these are things that are affecting me uh, in a way that is, I feel them very deeply. And this is like my little way to collaborate. And I'm always interested in that stuff. I also have a project of like women in the creative fields. And I'm like always trying to like give a little if possible, because I feel like as graphic designers, we also have a power to like entice people to be more conscious and like listen to these issues and see what's happening in the world and try to take ownership if that makes sense definitely I feel as though it's easy to feel very powerless in the well the current political climate and um yeah I think it's it's wonderful what you're doing and and actually using the tools that you have and and having a voice in that because I I've I often feel as though I should be doing more, but I'm not quite sure how to do that. And the other thing is that I think a lot of people want to keep their politics and their their art separate, which is something I've never been able to, <laughs> to do. And, and clearly that's something that's very important to you is having both of those together. Yeah, I mean, I think honestly, like I think it's such a personal choice and I definitely respect that in any level like whatever you want to do I understand but I am a very like I don't know I try to I'm a very passionate person so like if I care about something I need to say it and I need to voice my opinion so I just can't not say something you know it's becoming increasingly difficult to be politically neutral even as an online persona exciting what you're doing with that and thank you yeah and inspiring as well oh thanks more more of that kind of thing well I think you find that you know you find like you're saying this is a way for me also to express like my when I feel like I have nothing that I can do I do this and then I feel a little less a little empowered let's say um so it's just like a way to feel like you're trying to move forward and bring awareness at least to your little circle you know yeah yeah definitely all right well I think we might move on to a bit <laughs> bit of you um yeah back back to the design and um, <laughs> the, your your actual process that there's a great yeah. picture of you in your studio or it's not, you're not in the picture but it's your studio on your website and there's a board oh, yeah. that's just covered in in hand lettering and tracing paper and it makes me think that a lot of what you do is still with pen and paper would that be accurate yeah that's semi-accurate like I try as much as I can now I have to say I bought an iPod recently <laughs> <laughs> it's a slippery slope <laughs> yeah I was going on a trip and I was like, I need to take work with me. And I just wanted to, you know, not take my computer. So it seemed like a, a good option. And it's been really fun to experiment with. I I wouldn't change it yet. <laughs> uh, 
Because I feel like there's a lot of what I do that has to do with the the tool that I grab. And that's why I try, like, every time I sit with a project, I'll, you know, I'll try a different brush or I'll take a different marker or a different uh, uh, pencil or, you know, like, experiment with that stuff because I feel like that also will give me a bunch of new rules uh, when creating letters. So I, I really enjoy that part. Uh, and I think the iPad is wonderful, but you can't change the tool. Like even if you have like digital brushes, it's not the same thing. Like sometimes with just grabbing, you know, a different brush, you will have a, an error that will become the main thing that you can actually explode in the, in the final piece. So that's why I really like and enjoy like drawing and, and like painting my hand and like just sitting in, in my desk and like trying, trying different tools. But yeah, I, I, I have to say that my process is, is quite different every time. Like I, I, if I know that I want to do like a finished piece of lettering, most likely I will like draw some, some little thumbnails and like, in pencil I will draw some thumbnails and then like pick a few that are working and then enlarge that and later on ink it when I feel like it's ready and most of most of the lettering properly lettering that I do is colorize in the computer so I ink it in black and then I I colorize and texture in the computer so digitally yeah, I feel like if I want to experiment with, like, calligraphy or handwriting, it will be, like, paper and tools and maybe color directly and see what happens. I think there's a danger of if you switch to digital, just going with digital because it's easier and quicker, but then you do miss out on so much of that other stuff. Yeah, at some point I felt like I think I was before Cooper type, I was mostly working in the computer and I felt like, I don't know, my stuff was all files, you know, like a, a digital file. And there was like all like this tangible thing, like nothing was tangible, you know? And like, I think about now, like for example, when I started doing the zines, I did that by hand. So I actually have those like original ink drawings and it's so nice to have something actually physical that you can like hold on to and look at it in you know five years ten years or whatever and just like even look at your evolution versus something that becomes so intangible you know mm. it's like a, a photo album versus a whole lot of files and, and pictures on a computer I guess exactly <laughs> yeah and I find that that's always the most exciting part of the process is when you get something back you know, when you've got something printed and it's a physical object but if you're working with the analog tools then you've got that connection with it throughout the whole process yeah definitely and there's something so for me like there's a moment in time like my favorite one of my favorite moments is like the pencil sketch like there's a warmth to it that even when the final is final, it's like it's become something else, you know, but there's like a warmth in the pencil that it just like came directly from your hand. And it's really special. I feel like like I have tons of pencil sketches that I'm like, I'm a hoarder. I can't get rid of these. <laughs> <laughs> so do you work in sketchbooks or on loose pieces of paper? I, I work in, in loose pieces of paper mostly and that's because I was pretty insecure with my drawing when I started and one of my teachers was like, just do a loose paper. If you don't like it, throw it away. And I was like, that's amazing. You're so right. Like <laughs> you're taking off the pressure of this having to be like a final amazing art. Yeah. It just stuck with me like now I just... I have loses of loose sheets of paper everywhere. It's kind of insane. <laughs> I I could potentially like do sketches by now, but I don't know. There's something I like about it. And you can eventually like 
do things like that you know like you can put them in a in a board and look at them and like have them be the ones that you're working on things that are relevant it just has like that connection to the tangible thing that I I really like do you have some kind of filing system for your old work well it's not really a great system but I do like (laughs) I do pin them all together and like kind of do envelopes whenever I'm done with a few projects so I have like not super organized but like if you go into sort of by years I have like you know a bunch of pinned covers so you basically see like clipped groups and you can see like the evolution because because I do work a lot with tracing paper so it's like kind of layering the drawings so sometimes it's just like a skeleton of the letters and then like you get to the final so it's pretty cool to see like what changed and how that evolved through through the the drawing process yeah definitely something that's interesting to to look back on yeah maybe a few years down the line definitely Uh, So in your bio, you say that you focus on books, lettering, typeface design and experimental handwriting. I was wondering what you mean by experimental handwriting and how it differs from your lettering process. Uh, That's a good question. (laughs) Um, So that's kind of for the all my all my type nerds out there. (laughs) Uh, So basically, like, it's just there's a lot of resurgence of of lettering and calligraphy and all that stuff now so people interexchange what is what and I do a lot of handwriting in my work and basically it's just writing and I call it experimental because I use different tools but it differs from lettering because lettering is actually drawing a letter so from the outside you know the outline of the letter to filling in a letter, which is quite different than, than writing it. Um, at the same time, it's different than calligraphy because with calligraphy, you're doing like a specific tool that you grab in a certain way at a very specific angle and you repeat the movements uh, and the strokes are constructed in an order. So it's just a way of, like trying to be proper really yeah Uh, yeah there's a lot of nuance there yeah I mean like even sometimes like for Instagram purposes and stuff I'll tag my stuff brush lettering but it's not really brush lettering you know it's like closer to calligraphy or like even experimental handwriting because lettering is when for example you can see on my website as well but like the piece that I did for Girl in the Dark, where I drew the letter, the outsides of the letter, I filled it in. Like you're actually constructing a letter with a conscious of how and where the weight should be, if that makes sense. So with that piece, did it evolve from handwriting into lettering? Uh, no, not really. I, went, I, I knew that this was a very weird case in which I knew that I wanted to do that. I think that I might be wrong because this was like maybe two years, not more, even like five years ago or something. But I think that was the only cover I presented. And usually I do a a few and I explore a lot. But for this book, I had like kind of this specific idea and I just went directly to lettering because I felt like it was the right choice. But this is like an exception. (laughs) could you tell us a bit about that book and and the plot of it so that yeah we can yeah better understand how that cover links to Definitely. it and if, if you're not if you haven't got uh, isabel's I'm, I'm talking to the listeners now <laughs> if you haven't got isabel's uh portfolio open then i'd highly recommend that or, or going to her instagram that will all be in the show notes but this is going to make a lot more sense if you're actually looking at them or know what we're talking about <laughs> Um, so basically this book is, is a memoir and is this, this girl, this woman who she's, she becomes allergic to the light. Uh, so she has to live in a house that is dark and she can't have any light come in because it really like 
actually like itches and hurts and this is like a true story so it was pretty moving and it's a beautiful wow. book yeah it's super really amazing uh and it's her basically her survival story through this journey and she writes about it in the dark and then she has someone come in to help her piece it together and, and transcribe it uh, and I just wanted to make something that had that connection to like something that you can see but you can barely see you know like when you get used to being in the dark that you start seeing texture and, and you see the shapes but you can't really tell everything so I wanted it to have a lot of texture and have it be raw because it felt like what was happening to her and her body was sort of incredible so yeah it, you know it's obviously an abstraction and I didn't want it to be too literal but it felt like that could be a good representation of that. Did you come up with any other concepts for that or was it you said you only presented one but did you come yeah. up with any others as well? I tried some other things but I felt like this was pretty strong and I just ended up showing this and that was it. <laughs> like the the UK cover is pretty beautiful. Yeah. Um, I really liked it and I felt like it did, it did its job uh, quite quite well but I felt like for some reason I wanted it to be like gritty and like raw and just I don't know you guys should read the book it's it's really amazing yeah I'm so intrigued now That's... yeah I know it she also tried going to doctors and stuff but it was quite hard with her condition so it's one of those weird loopholes yeah, and, and what an amazing brief to be given. Yeah, it was also like a small, smaller book. So I feel like when when those happen, it's good because you get a lot of freedom in a way uh, to experiment and try things that are quite interesting. Wh which um, publisher was that with? That was with Vintage when I was there, Vintage and Anchor. Well, I've got a few others here that I, I really like the covers of and I wanted to talk about those ones because I particularly like them. But if there are any others that, that you especially want to talk about, do shout. <laughs> um, but the the ones that really struck me to begin with were the, the Greek ones that you've got. So the Iliad, the Odyssey and Philoctetes. Yeah. And of course, the way that you've presented them as well is is fantastic. With the, the shards of pottery. Um, but yeah, how do you approach something that is so ancient and has been covered so many times but needs a revamp for the modern world? This was kind of a weird brief because we started by knowing that we were doing Philoctetes and maybe the other two, and actually the other two ended up being quite problematic. But thinking about that, I started thinking that I wanted to... I mean, I did research, of course, and I started leaning into, you know, just looking at, like, Greek uh, pottery and, like, painting and stuff, and I wanted to do something that had that quality of being, like, very graphic and still captivating, and it's obviously a really interesting challenge because it's like you're saying, you know, it's been done and redone so many times, uh, but it feels like, in a way, you can't escape that connection with the history that it has and the time period in this case is really important. So it felt like that connection had to be there. So I decided I would give myself like a limitation of colors and yeah, just have like, it be like the main thing would be the illustration, but the typeface would be, or the lettering, sorry, would be kind of connected to like all the inscriptions and like rock carving and uh, you know ancient writing so just from there I started doing a lot of research and I kind of came up with this sort of illustration style for this but it was interesting because once we finished those it turned out that the Iliad and the Odyssey had the manuscripts and the original the originals basically uh, which weren't digitized burned down with <laughs> with Random House <laughs> in the 50s or something so we can't really publish them ah. so 
it was like very crazy right. so we finished them and it was like okay i guess we're only doing philoctetes and then from there um the same uh translator did the all that you've seen here is god and the theater of war so those because i already had set the style it was like okay we're just gonna continue with this and with the theater of war it was interesting because there was already a hardcover which in the other two it was directly paperback. It was like a vintage originals. So the theater of war was designed by, by Oliver Monday, who was working at Knopf at the same time that I was there. So they wanted to adapt that, that cover, but because I have done the other ones that were related and it's the same uh, translator, we decided the best way was to like sort of create a co-cover. <laughs> like collaborate with his illustration, uh, his photographic illustration and my type treatment. So we merged the two together and that's what we came up with. Like I kept his color palette and his illustration and added like the same type treatment to link the two. Yeah, and it still has that kind of shape with the type that you've got on on the other. Yeah, exactly. I think that's such an effective cover. Thank you. Flipping through your portfolio here, we've got so many wonderful covers. Um, All Our Names, which is a a very simple cover, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but so effective. And I absolutely love the way you've styled this with the chalk. Thank you. (laughs) Again, so simple, but so effective. Could you take us through the process of that? Did you know that it was going to be all type? Uh, That was one where it was a really uh, fun one. The art director was Peter Mendelssohn, and it was my first time working with him. And of course, you know, everyone knows his work, and his everything he does is awesome. So of course, I wanted to do something cool. Yeah. <laughs> so it was like a big challenge. Uh, my first time working with him, and uh, the book is amazing. Uh, his uh, writing, the now is is so great, and I really loved this book. Uh, so it was like a lot of exploration there i tried some illustrated things and i tried some photography things but this was like i was i was feeling like this was it but at the same time i was like it's black and white like it's so simple it cannot be the solution you know like it was also one of my first i think it was my second cover for Knopf, which was also like a big deal and i was just like Peter, here are the options. <laughs> this one is, I really like this one, but I don't know, what do you think? And he was like, oh my God, I wish I had designed this. And I was like, ah, okay, oh, thank you. <laughs> it was really like a good moment. And like all the, t- like the talk that we had was really cool. And like we were debating because the there was one illustrated uh, version that, I had done that was like the face of the character, but it was, I I don't know how to explain it. It was kind of like in parts and it was really interesting too. But at the end we decided we were only going to show that and see how it would go, which is quite different also as an approach to vintage, which in which we usually show more than one option to the editors. Uh, And he was like, no, let's just show this one. I think it's going to work. Yeah. And yeah, everyone, it was very unanimous and it was pretty cool because the writer, the author actually uh, wrote me an email saying thank you and everything. And it was like one of the few times that authors have reached out. Yeah, that's really special. Yeah, it was pretty cool. And also I feel like I don't know. This is one of the cases that I would call like experimental handwriting because obviously it's not, you know, the usual way you would handwrite something. But I did a bunch of tests and stuff until I came up with this. It was really interesting, you know, and a lot of the decisions are obviously like very thought through, like the two colors and like how um, the the spacing is not right and all those things were like okay i need to do this to make it work so it was it looks like very simple but it had a lot of thought behind it which was like for me one of the best challenges you know when you get 
the result is like, oh yeah, this was it. Yes, it's difficult because you, when you're doing something like this, you want it to look spontaneous and handwritten, but at the same time, you can't because it needs to be perfect. <laughs> yeah, but it needs to have that, um, yeah, that that hand feel to it as well. Yeah, yeah, I've I've found when when you're doing that kind of yeah, not lettering, but also not quite handwriting. Mm-hmm. That that's one of the most challenging things to do. Yeah, it's it's a it's a weird like balance that needs to be found. Mm. So how does the how does the communication differ aside from the the mode of communication? I mean obviously that influences the the way that you communicate with an art director. But is it is it just more like if you're working in house you can just pop into somebody's office and and talk about a cover whereas it's a bit of a longer process if you're freelance. Would that be accurate? Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure if it's so much of the timing more than the, yeah, like the communication is not direct. So like I never speak with the editors right now as a freelancer. I speak with the art directors. Whatever happens in the publishing house, I rarely hear about it which is a weird thing for me after being so involved in the process when I was working in-house we would it would be the art director the editor the senior editors the publisher everyone had an opinion and you could like weigh all those in and then you know fix things uh while here is like the art director communicates all that they have so sometimes it's trickier you know like just finding that information that you need and like it feels a little less connected to the work. Like I do my comps and then I send them and it's just like, okay, now let's wait and see, you know, before it was more involved because I can go, I can say what I'm thinking, like just present my work while here is is a little more disconnected, I would say. I mean, it's still enjoyable, but it's a different process for sure. So what are the best things about working freelance then? Well, I love that it gives me the freedom to just like take other jobs too. Uh, Because I'm like, we've been talking like, I also like doing other stuff like type design, lettering and and zines and like branding and just experimenting with other things. Like I want to do more artist books so I can do that now. Like this past year I designed a book and did illustrations for all of it. It's still, in the works and it will come out next year but you know it's a little more involved and also I'm not sure if if you have worked in-house but it, it feels like it can be a quite corporate world sometimes if you don't stay somewhere for 10 years it's hard to move up and I don't know I'm quite ambitious I like challenges so for me it's really important to be able to like manage a bigger project or like do something that is actually making me try to figure it out and after a while in-house it it felt like I needed a change like I needed you know to be challenged and like a change of pace and uh, I mean also the reality (laughs) of the freelance money it's like quite different um (laughs) which I mean don't get me wrong I will do many things for the love of art but like at some point it's just like if I can do the same amount of work and take half of the year of vacation (laughs) why not you know like sometimes it felt like I was there just just waiting for books you know like there was not a lot going on for example between lists and it felt like oh I could work on other stuff you know so now I feel like I have more control of my time. Like I can actually pick and choose what I want to do and like have more control over what what types of projects I want to do, be a little more selective. So was it when you went freelance that you started your shop online? Mm, yes, officially, yes. <laughs> like I had been, you know, selling the zines here and there, but yeah, the shop is kind of, something that I, I've been creating things so at some point I was like oh I have all these things and you know I'm doing zine fests and taking it to stores but it would make a lot more sense to just have them online in one place. So do you still go to um, markets and, 
and places to sell in person as well? Yeah, I, uh, as much as I can. Uh, I did a bunch uh, last year. This year, I've been trying to focus on some things that I've been putting off because since I started freelance, I've been like doing a lot of conferences, workshops, uh, the zine fests, you know, a ton of things. Because also as a freelancer, you're doing everything. You have to promote yourself. You got to like put a lot of work to get your your work out there. Uh, and this year, I've been trying to focus on, on the work and like a little less about promoting and more about actually doing the stuff that I want to be doing. So I'm taking a little <laughs> small break. But I hope to be back soon because it's such a fun. Those are the things that I like the most, uh, you know, like having people take the zines and like read them in front of me and like crack up. That's just like, oh, I love this. You know, this is what I'm doing this content for because it's actually getting to people and like finding an audience and just like finding people who think alike. Um, it's just quite awesome. Yeah, for sure. I, I found that the same when you're doing things like markets and, and yeah, people are reacting to them and it's, you know it's it's not staged because they don't even know that you're necessarily the artist yeah. they're just reacting to the product totally mm. and you don't get that i mean unless you skulk around bookshops and just spy on people looking at your covers <laughs> you don't really get that <laughs> exactly and it's just like i don't know it's also you find other makers who are you know trying to experiment with something or like are interested in the same subject so that's so great you know like those connections you can't make in any other way uh so I really enjoy that mm. and you said you've done some collaborations as well do those tend to come from doing these markets and things as well uh well in the basically the zines I've made as collaborations have been more like with friends that are doing work that I like uh for example my friend who is a photographer and then I had another project that was uh with a musician friend of mine and we did she asked me to do a zine for her new release of of her music so I was like that sounds amazing I'll do it great um and then like other things like I've I did like an election party which was so sad yeah I can <laughs> imagine Oh. it was so hard but it was a great you know event to like actually share with other people who were interested in like seeing this very emotional night and like I created stuff for that so just things like that you know like when I find something that that is kind of a cause that I want to support like I've also done work for uh, against guns uh, this organization called Every Town. So I did something a while ago, and then recently I did a piece for Refinery that was also for them, uh, for the March of, of Our Lives. So those things, you know, like I want to support a cause, I'll do, I'll try to see how I can do something to collaborate with that. Oh, well, you are such an inspiration and you've, you've made me want to, yeah, do, do more in this kind of sphere as well. Oh, thanks, Holly. <laughs> That's so sweet. I, I would love to keep chatting and, and asking you lots more questions, but um, we should probably wrap this up and I'll let you get on with your evening. <laughs> but this has been an absolute delight. Thank you so much. And I feel like I've learned a lot. Oh, thank you. That's so sweet. Thanks for having me. It was great. All right. Um, so if people want to find you on the internet, where can they go? Uh, Instagram is a great place. Uh, my handle is bell as in a ringing bell era bellera and okay my website is you can do also the same but dot co that redirects to my shop but you can go and see my covers there too it's way shorter than my full name <laughs> yep <laughs> okay and twitter uh bellera as well Alrighty, and we'll have this all linked in the show notes but sometimes it's good to hear it too Awesome. Great. Thank you so much. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. 
please be sure to rate and review us too. This show is hosted by Holly Dunn and edited by Eric Wilder. Our theme song is Sweet Berry Wine by Blue Wednesday. And Spine is a production of Spine Magazine. For show notes, articles, audio and video about the enormous talent that goes into creating books, visit spinemagazine.co.